0: Something needs... There we go. Thank you, Emily Fielder, for that, that beautiful solo. How tremendous. She's a young person in our church, and what a beautiful voice, and great confidence, and great poise, and how nicely she was dressed. That was first-class, folks. If you don't know first-class, that was absolutely first-class, and, uh, and all of the rest of you should do likewise. Take your Bible with me. <laughs> turn, turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 in your Bible with me. Well... None of us like to get interrupted. None of us like to get interrupted. I don't like to be interrupted when I'm doing something of great. Uh, one of the, the chief things that interrupts. Is this not working? Does this not work? Okay, well then we'll just forget about this. We'll use this. Uh, one, and, then, and then also in case in the event that I want to... Oh, I have to turn it on? Is that the problem? <laughs> Wait a minute, folks. We're dealing with user error. Now it's said it's turned off. I think it's got low batteries, Bob. I think that's what the problem is. We'll just ignore that thing for now. I'll use the handheld mic if I want to walk around. One of the things that frustrates us is when we get interrupted in life. I, I'm frustrated. I, I just got interrupted <laughs> middle of the sermon, okay? Uh, one of the things that, that, that troubles us is when we get interrupted in life. Sometimes the uh, greatest interrupter, of course, in life is our, our cell phones these days. And sometimes when I'm studying God's Word or doing something like that, I just turn the thing off. So if you can't get a hold of me, uh, just wait a while, send me a text, and I'll respond after a while. Maybe I was doing something very important, but yesterday I was not doing anything important spiritually like that. I was doing a little painting around the house, a little painting of a stairwell and some walls. You say, Pastor Monty, why were you doing that? Because I'd rather do painting, which I don't like, than listen to nagging, which I hate worse. And uh, just kidding, just kidding, don't get all sensitive, but that's real. That's uh, me being real, okay? And, and, uh, and it needed it needed, it needed to get done, but uh, while I was painting, my phone was ringing and binging and pinging, and, and, uh, and people, t- and I don't mind because I was not doing something important, except for one little fact. When I, when I paint, you say, Pastor Monty, did you, did you roller and brush? Yeah, 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 the old-fashioned way. Why don't you use a paint sprayer? By the time I'm done, it looks like I did. It looks like I hit the carpet. It looks like I hit every. I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere, and it's all over my hands. And so every time I would grab my phone to look at it, there would be paint smudges going all across my, my phone. You said, Pastor Mike, it's not good for your phone. That is why I have the best insurance Apple can buy, a person can buy from Apple on that phone. So, uh, But I was talking, and, and every time I'd be right in the middle of something, I'm just going gonna, gonna to get this this edging, this cutting in thing, I'm going to do that perfectly. That was my goal, to do the cutting in, the cutting in thing perfectly. And I, uh, uh, this, there, boom. Kind of, <laughs> interruption after interruption after interruption. I was going to do that perfectly. You no, know, you get right up next to the edge of that trim. You say, Pastor Monty, do you tape it? No. No, tape is expensive, and it's just a pain to tape it. So I, I use my steady hand and my one good eye. And I was going right across, and all of a sudden the phone rang, and I took a stroke, and it hit the ceiling, and what a mess. The ceiling I just painted, what a mess. And then you get frustrated when you're interrupted. The story we just read in Luke chapter 8 talks about a really interesting interruption. Now, the story of the woman who was healed of the issue of blood, that's very familiar, as is the miracle performed on Jairus' daughter when the Lord rose her, raised her from the dead. Those are very famous miracles. You cannot understand the lesson of those miracles unless you consider them together. They're given to us in Scripture, Luke chapter 8, they're given to us together, and there's a reason for that. And so we're we're going to look, if we can, at Luke chapter 8, and look again with me, if you will. We were there a moment ago in our Scripture reading, verse number 40. Verse number 40. The Bible says this. Let me give the setting for this. It says, it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, returned from where? Returned from the country of the Gadarenes. That would be on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. (laughs) He's now returned to the area of Capernaum. When Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Okay, he had been over on the other side. Now he comes back. Look at what happens in verse 41. Behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. Now, He was a very important person. Jairus was a public figure. Jairus was someone who, because of his position and station within the synagogue, if he were to seek help from Jesus, it would not go unnoticed. In fact, on some level... It may have even been risky for him to seek the help of Jesus, but he was in an emergency situation. It didn't matter about his standing in the synagogue. It didn't matter what the other men of the synagogue had to say. He was, he was in trouble. And so the Bible says he was the ruler of the synagogue. Verse 41, he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. Here is Jairus saying, Lord. Now, by the way, very public. Very, very public. Here's this man who is a major community leader. He is somebody that is highly respected. He is now kneeling before Jesus and begging him, Jesus, please come to my house. You know what happened? The disciples right away took notice of this. They said, oh, wow, wow. This, this, the other healings, Jesus cleansed a leper, but he's just a leper. Jesus gave sight to a blind man, but yeah, he's just a blind blind guy. Jesus healed the the cripple who was a beggar. Well, you know, Pastor Monty, these are kind of the low end of society. But now the disciples are watching. By the way, the whole crowd is watching. Here comes a man of great prominence. Right away, I think the disciples probably in their hearts are, well, now, here's a real customer. Here's someone we should take care of. This is Jairus. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's a man of great prominence. And Jairus begged him, Jesus, to come to his house. Why? Verse 42. For it only one, one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. Now, you know what happens next, In that throng of people that were crushing against him and pressing upon him, there was a woman who had been ill for 12 years. She had an issue of blood. We're not exactly sure what that was, but it was definitely an illness that would cause someone to be ceremonially unclean. Jairus, prominent man, big name in the community. He has just begged the Lord, Lord, come to my house. And the Lord begins to walk the direction of his house. He's going there. He's going there with purpose because, after all, Jairus' daughter lay a-dying. I like how the King James Bible puts that, she lay a-dying. She was going to pass away. In other words, time was of the essence. We, we can't delay. This servant had come from the house, and Jairus had come, and he begged the Lord. And he said, he said, Lord, he said, please come to my house. Make haste to go. It was an emergency 911 call for Jesus, and all of a sudden, something happened. Verse 43 says, and when a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him... Now, now, notice this. Jairus, very prominent man, knelt before the Lord, very public. This woman did not do so. She came behind him, so as not to be seen. She didn't want anyone seeing what she was about to do. If you'll notice, by the way, on the, the slide, some of you who have traveled to Israel with me in the past, you've seen this, uh, this painting before. It's a beautiful painting. It depicts the woman who reaches out just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. She clearly does this so as not to be seen. In verse 44 says, She came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. In other words, it stopped. Pastor Marty, What is happening? They were going to heal the daughter of a very prominent member of the synagogue. When a woman who was not prominent in society, it is fair to say she was avoided in society because of the ceremonial laws of uncleanness in the book of Leviticus, When a woman, understanding that to touch Jesus, now in in this manner of touching him would not necessarily have conveyed uncleanness, but in the Pharisaical mind it could have. She comes up behind him so as not to be seen, and she touches that hem of his garment, believing that he can heal her. The disciples were anticipating a really big visit We've got a big healing to do now. We're going to Jairus' house, and we're going to heal his daughter. They had this anticipation because Jairus was a prominent man. But then they were approached by this sick woman secretly. She didn't want anyone to know. A woman, by the way, who had been avoided by the crowd probably for at least 12 years, someone that was unclean because of her issue of blood. And Jesus, according to verse number 4, alleviated her of her illness the moment she touched the hem of his garment. But I want you to remember and picture in your mind the scene. There are hundreds and hundreds of people gathered around Jesus. The crowd is so thick that they're pressing upon him physically, that, that, that he is being touched from every direction. Verse number 45, Jesus asked a question, Who touched me? Now, she came from behind, He didn't see her. Pastor, do you think that he didn't know? No, I think he knew. In fact, I know that he knew. Now, get the picture. They're traveling very quickly because Jairus' daughter is dying. They're moving at a very rapid rate. This woman touches him. Jesus pauses in the middle of going to perform this other healing. That seems very urgent because, after all, the young girl is dying. He pauses, and this older woman has touched the hem of his garment, and Jesus paused and said, who touched me? Verse 45, when all denied, Peter and they that were with him. Now, my series of sermons is on the life of Peter, but it wasn't Peter alone. The other disciples were worked up about it too. This pause, this detour, this stopping in the middle of something very important. Uh, Peter, they that were with him, said, Master, the multitude throng thee and thee, and sayest thou who touched me? Those are Peter's words, but all of the disciples were in agreement. Hey, hey, Lord, we're in a big hurry here, and and we were making good progress. We were headed somewhere because this is going to be a really big deal, your next miracle. It's going to be really big, and all of a sudden you stop everything and ask, who touched me? In a sense, there was an accusation by Peter. Lord, this doesn't make any sense. Lord... There's no possible way that we could ever figure it out. And and Lord, everybody's touching you. Now, 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 by the way, this is an interruption. This is an interruption because these men were on a mission. Verse 46, Jesus answered. And this is a very gracious answer he gives to Peter. Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. In other words, someone has touched me, someone has reached me, And someone is now healed. Now, I believe Jesus knew who this was. And obviously, God, being God, knowing the end from the beginning, he knew all about what was going to happen. He said, Pastor Monty, why did Jesus pause? Because sometimes an interruption in life is where the greatest of miracles take place. We don't understand that in our own lives because our own lives are so bound together by time and by sequence of events. And for some of us in the room who are planners, some of us in the room who are planners, you're especially bent toward the idea that everything needs to go according to plan. I am not a planner personality. Some people ask me, Pastor money, what's going on? I just say, I don't have a plan. I don't have a plan. I'm not a planner personality, but for those who are, it gets a little irritating if you're interrupted. All of us are irritated by interrupted, but especially if you're headed somewhere and going somewhere. But I want us for a moment to think about Peter's response. Because Peter says this, Master, the multitude throng thee, and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? What did Peter say? He was asking a question that I think revealed something about his heart. Jesus, remember, paused for a purpose. We'll get there in a moment. What about Peter's question of the Lord? This is one of those comments that Peter makes in the Bible that seems to be very off the cuff. It also could be made very naturally because, Lord, we're in a hurry. What are you doing? What do you mean who touched you? I think, number one, Peter's question was incredulous about Jesus' question. Peter was questioning Jesus. He said, Lord, Lord, it's incredible. It's ridiculous that you're asking who touched you. In other words, Peter in this moment, and it was one of those off-the-cuff moments for Peter, but those come out of a heart. Peter in this moment doubted the Lord's rationale for interrupting their urgent journey. Lord, what are you thinking? There there, there are people all around you. and We're in a hurry. We can't sort this out now. You know, we are the same way. Because we tend to question God when our life gets interrupted. It doesn't make sense. Or, Pastor Monty, I would have never planned this for my life. Life is like that. When you have faith in God, and you know that God is in ultimate control, when you recognize that, it helps to understand that when the unexpected arrives... There's a bigger plan behind it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the teaching of our faith. So, so Pastor Monty, you know, in my life when I was young, I, I had this dream and this dream and this dream, and, and I was going to get married, and I was going to live happily ever after, and everything was going to come up roses. Really? What world do you live in? As a pastor of many decades now, I can honestly say that that is not true for anyone. Life is a mixture of good and bad. Life is a mixture of joy and sorrow. Life is a mixture of the unexpected. And life, frankly, every, almost every day of it, is on some level or another peppered by interruptions. But Peter really wondered, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here. Why are you asking such a ridiculous question? I think, number two, Peter was insensitive to the present need. Insensitive to the present need. Let me talk about this for a moment. When God interrupts our life, there's usually a purpose behind it. And the purpose is usually bigger than you. But Peter and the other disciples had their hearts set on the very public request of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, to go heal his daughter, and they maybe thought that finally, if we go to heal the daughter of someone who's prominent, that maybe somewhere down the line, this will put us on the map, ministry-wise. They were eager to go. And after all, the entire crowd had seen the, the, the ruler of the synagogue beg Jesus, so they were eager to get there, they were eager to go, and they wondered why we would stop for this woman in a small community who is likely very well-known within that community, who had been sick for 12 years. Church, sometimes the biggest ministry is right under our noses. Now, I'm all about foreign missions. We have a great foreign missions program at this church. Do you know what I'm not about? I'm not about giving money to missions and letting our neighbors go to hell. Just not about that. So there's a certain romance, if I may use that word. There's a certain romance to foreign missions. We love the idea of it, and we should because it's the heart of the Lord Jesus. But do you know who is also the heart of the Lord Jesus? Your next-door neighbor. Pastor Monty, we've got to do something to help the people in Timbuktu, and I believe we do. I don't know, Is Timbuktu a real place? Somebody Google it real quick. We've got to help the people over in Timbuktu, but what about the people that live within 100 feet of your front door? Those people need help too. And so Peter and the other disciples, they became so enamored with the idea of having this big splashy miracle over at Jairus' house that they were just kind of ignoring this woman if they even saw her at all. And that's a huge part of the problem because sometimes we're so accustomed to the people that we see every day and we think, oh, well, they're they're never going to change. There's no way to help him. There's no way to help her. We become very insensitive. We become callous to the immediate needs. Let me tell you something, church. We need a church that is unashamedly supportive of foreign missions. And we need a church who can see that little lady with a disease 12 years And recognize that she has a need. And listen to what I'm about to say. Recognize that she is just as important. One of the things that the devil uses to dampen evangelistic fervor is the idea of class warfare. What? Oh yeah, Uh, Pastor Monty, you, you know, go after a higher level of people. That's class warfare. And that's nothing Jesus ever said. Pastor Monty, if you were smart, you'd go after the businessmen. That's class warfare. Do you know who you go after? Anyone who has a need. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If I love the people Jesus loved and God loves them all, if I love the people Jesus loved and make an effort toward those people, God will bless and God will take care of the bills. We need to understand Peter, I think, was just a little bit insensitive in regard to the present need he he was also ignorant of christ's purpose i I think this is a very important point pastor bonnie why is this story in the bible it's here to teach a very key lesson which i'll get to in a little bit but why is it put in the position in the Bible of two miracles? We have the healing of this woman, which would seem to be kind of an incidental miracle. It sort of just happened while Jesus was on the way to something bigger and better. And then, and then you have the miracle of the raising of Jerry Snodder. Why are these put together? I think they're told together to reveal to us that sometimes we're very ignorant of the Lord's purpose. He, of course, was going to teach a lesson, and that will come later. But there's something bigger The Lord was purposely delaying. Well, now, wait a minute, Pastor Monty. I know that the woman touched him, so he was curious about that. Well, that's what the surface looks like. But the Lord knew knew who it was, and the Lord knew he had healed somebody. But he paused the entire procession to Jairus' house, and he said, Hey, wait a minute, let's get this all figured out. And everyone's mind is racing, no, no, Jerry's just said his daughters a dying. I mean, she's on the, <coughs> she's on her deathbed, she's in the, she, could, she could die before you get there. Lord, you need to just hurry on. You need to go ahead. And Jesus purposely delayed. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus ever do that anywhere else in the Bible? Yeah, he, he sure did. Remember his buddy Lazarus? How many remember that? Lazarus? Lazarus was sick word had come to Jesus that Lazarus is sick and Jesus said okay Lazarus is sick we're just going to stay here a little while longer and the disciples were frustrated because Lord you know our friend is sick we we should go right away and Jesus said this sickness is not unto death but it is for the glory of God by the time he got there not only had Lazarus died Lazarus was buried Lazarus been in that tomb for several days when Jesus said, roll the stone away, they said, no, no, not a good idea, Lord. He's been in the tomb for a while. I love how the King James Bible says this, surely he stinketh. I've known some people of whom that could be said. They weren't even dead, but um, so have you. Come come around with an aura like pig pen. Remember pig pen on Charlie Brown? Yeah. Ugh. Let's tell our young men that one of the best things they can do for their lives is wear deodorant. It really makes life better. Jesus had delayed specifically because he didn't want to heal Lazarus. He wanted to raise him from the dead. Now I want you to look at me, folks. This interruption by this woman who likely was crawling on the ground to get to the hem of Jesus' garment and, and who was doing so secretly because she didn't want to be accused of, of spreading ceremonial uncleanness. This, this woman who had been known by the crowd who was really a nobody and, and how could she approach the Lord face to face anyway? That would be an affront because she was kind of a nobody. This woman came up behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And by doing so, Jesus stopped and paused, and there was a discussion. And during that time, Jairus' daughter died. A servant came from the house, so the house must not have been very far away. A servant came from the house and said, Well, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. Hey, hey, she's, she's dead. She's gone. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. There's nothing he can do now. She's dead and gone. You know the rest of the story. He walked in, who is life itself, and raised her from the dead. Follow with me, please. The interruption led to a greater miracle because God was doing something bigger than Peter could have known. God's purpose was beyond his own comprehension. God's purpose was something that Peter did not understand. It made no sense to pause in the middle of what was a very important journey. Peter was just ignorant of it. How many times are we that way in life? We all think we know what God should do. And by the way, we also know when he should do it. Aren't we good at that? You know, and then someone who gets bitter or angry, well, Pastor money. if there's a God in heaven, he would do this, 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 and this. May I say to you, the Bible is clear that God's always doing something. We don't recognize his purpose. By the way, let me say this. God's timing is always just right. Had they ignored the woman and marched forward in their quest, I'm certain that there would have been a dramatic healing of Jairus' daughter. There's no doubt about that. But can I give you a hint about something? A resurrection trumps a healing. How many know that? Yeah, I'd love to see someone physically healed. Boom, they're healed! But boy, wouldn't it be awesome if I were conducting a funeral somewhere and I'm reading the scripture... And all of a sudden, she sits up, bolts straight in the casket, with a big smile on her face. You say, Pastor Monty, would that freak you out? Yeah, frankly, it would. (laughs) But, boy, we'd make the paper. It'd be a big deal. It'd be a big deal. Jesus paused, allowing time for Jairus' daughter to die so that the next miracle would be bigger than this one. When God interrupts your life, God's doing something of a bigger nature in your life. We trust His timing. I think Peter was irritated by the interruption. He just wanted to get to Jarius's house. His, his agenda had certainly been thrown off, and time was of the essence. I think Peter also was impatient with the pause. He didn't. I, I can see him being kind of antsy. Do you know who Peter was? Peter was a Type A personality. Any Type As in the room? You're going to you go ahead and admit it, Beth. You're Type A. Are you serious? I would have never known that. (laughs) Those who know her know I'm joking. (laughs) Type A personalities. They get irritated when there's an interruption, but God is doing something bigger. They get impatient when there's an interruption. Sometimes I think God slows us down to teach us a more important lesson. See, everything contained in the pages of Scripture is vital, and the fact that these two miracles are intertwined, and the one is an interruption to the other, is a lesson in and of itself. But verse 45 troubles me just a little bit because of the tone of Peter. Look, if you will, the verse. Jesus said, who touched me? When they all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master... And I'm putting the inflection in to give you the idea of how I think this went down. Master, the multitude throng thee, and press thee, and sayest thou who touched me? I think that's a little bit irreverent. Now, remember, Peter was one who talked off the top of his head. He is, his, his mouth got ahead of his mind on many an occasion. I'm not saying that it's not okay to wonder. It is okay to wonder. How many say, Pastor Monty, sometimes I wonder what the Lord is doing in my life? Well, my hands, both hands could be up in the air for that, sure. It's okay to wonder, but by the way, keep those key words in your brain what the Lord is doing in my life. If you knock God out of the circumstances, okay, if you eliminate God from the equation, every time you're going into despair. Because some things in life are just too heavy. Well, Pastor Monty, you know, everything that happens in life is random, and then you die. What a horrible way to think about life. What a horrible way. But if you are a child of God, if you're born again by personal faith in Jesus Christ, and you recognize that he has a plan, you you may not know what that plan is. Well, Pastor Monty, does that mean that you always face every problem with a steely stoicism of faith? No, I don't. And you know what? It's okay to wonder. I think if we're very honest, some of us, when we get to heaven, have some questions for the Lord. Do you have questions for the Lord? I do. I have questions. But I'll tell you, I'm going to be careful how I ask them. I'm going to be careful how I ask them. I, I, I hope, wouldn't it be nice if when we stand before him, that everything is made clear in an instant. We don't even have to ask. That might be the case. That might be the case. We shall know him even as he is known. It might be the case. But I have some questions. It's okay to wonder what God is doing. That's okay. It's okay to ask God in sincerity what he's doing. Maybe this verse, verse 45, could have been better phrased by Peter as, Lord, I'm not sure why we're pausing Lord, I'm sure you have a purpose. Lord, maybe you could show us the purpose. Do you see the difference? The one is a sincere heart asking. The other is just someone who's being a little impertinent, perhaps a little bit irreverent. It's not okay to question God's sensibility. That almost is what it sounds like to me. Lord, <laughs> I mean, you're you're really serious? Lord? You're asking who touched you? The whole crowd is pressing in on you, and, and you're saying, Lord... Lord, this is crazy talk. You can almost read that right into the text of the Bible, can't you? It's okay to wonder. It's okay to sincerely question. It's not okay to question God's sensibility. As a Christian, I have to submit myself to this. God knows better than I. In this moment, Peter was in a hurry. Peter wasn't thinking. Peter was just saying... And I think he crossed a line. Jesus asked the question, though, in verse 45, Who touched me? Why would he do that? Because it gave a moment of pause, and then it would introduce a lesson. Peter's question was different. It was aimed at God's character. God's character in the person of Christ. What are you doing, Lord? This is ridiculous. There's no answer to the question. So, Pastor Monty, what is the lesson of this first miracle? Look, if you would, at verse number 47. The Bible says, When the woman saw that she was not hid, that she would be found out. She tried clearly to hide from Jesus. She came trembling. By the way, I want you to see this great humility. She was now fearful, because perhaps she had done something wrong, and maybe someone in the Pharisaical crowd would accuse her of spreading uncleanness. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people what cause she had touched him. Hey, this is what she said. She said, now, now I'm really nervous about this. And, and I, I was really shy to come up and talk to Jesus. And, and I didn't want to do anything publicly. Jarius is a leader of the community. And so when he publicly asked the Lord to come to his house, that was fine. But, but I, I'm just this poor woman. And all you all know that I've been sick for 12 years. And all you all know, I don't want to spread my, my, my infirmity. And I don't want to spread uncleanness. But but uh, but I, I'm going to explain why I, I've been sick for 12 years. Years and, and I've spent all my money, everything I had, I've given to the physicians, and they haven't made anything better, they've made everything worse. And, and she said, I was desperate. And then she said these words. She explained, verse 47 at the very end of the verse, how she was healed immediately. Pastor Marty, what is the lesson to be learned? I want every eye up here. The whole crowd was pressing upon Jesus. They were, they were physically touching him. When I went to China on that missions trip years ago, we, we rode in a, a sub, subway train or an elevated train. I'm telling you what? Those Chinese can pack more people into one train car than any people I've ever known. They do not mind being up into everybody's personal business. They really don't. I mean, you're, you're absolutely hemmed in like sardines, and, and everyone's touching and breathing and spreading the Wuhan and doing, you know doing the whole thing. They're just, just, just that way there. Okay, it's really uncomfortable. We're not used to that as Americans, super uncomfortable. This is what was happening to Jesus. Yet Jesus noticed one woman who touched him, listen carefully, not with the same force of a pressing crowd, but who just touched the hem of his garment. Not even the person of Jesus, just the hem of his garment. You say, Pastor Monty, what is the difference? There are an awful lot of people who brush up against Jesus. But only those who touch him in faith are saved. That's a huge lesson. See, we in America, we, well, Pastor Monty, you know, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian because I go to church. That's brushing up against Jesus, right? Pastor Monty, I'm a Christian because my parents were Christians. <laughs> It's not multi-generational. That's kind of brushing up against Oh, Pastor Money, I'm, I'm familiar with all of that. I was raised in the church. I, I have plenty of religion. I, You know, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very familiar with Jesus. It's one thing to brush up against Jesus, incidentally. It's another thing to reach out to him in faith. By the way, too many people think that by brushing up to the church, it's going to save them. It's, church can't save you. Well, Pastor Money, if I make sure I take that big step and get baptized, that'll wash away my sins. There's not a verse in the Bible that teaches that. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Here is this woman who understood one thing. If she could get to Jesus, she would be okay. Here is this woman who among the hundreds that were pressing upon Christ and brushing up against him, incidentally, Here is a woman who came with purpose. Here is a woman who in her heart, believing in God, said, all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment. The other pressing and touching and thronging, that, that didn't cause any virtue to flow out of Jesus' healing power. But when that woman came to Christ in faith, instantly the Bible says she was made whole proximity to Jesus doesn't save, but believing and trusting in him makes the difference. Faith alone brings the healing. What is the great lesson? The great lesson is this. Every one of us must come to Jesus by personal faith. It's an individual thing. Your parents can't choose this for you. It's an individual thing. Every one of, the great lesson is this. Every one of us needs to simply reach out By faith, touch the hem of his garment. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he was buried and that he rose again. But don't just believe it up here. Accept that into your heart. Reaching out and touching him. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is not joining a religion. Salvation is not joining a church. Salvation is when I, as an individual, reach out and say, Lord, save me. When I, just like that woman, believing the gospel that Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again the third day, when I believe that for me personally and trust in that personally, when I reach out and touch the hem of his garment, at that moment, I am saved. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how somebody becomes a Christian. And what was the great lesson? The great lesson was, all these people are touching me. And you've seen that. But this one woman approached me in faith. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please him. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved, listen to these words, for by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And all you need to do is come to Jesus believing. You say, Pastor Monty, what happened then? They trooped on over to Jairus' house. The lesson had been taught. The time necessary for his daughter to die had elapsed. And then one of the greatest miracles recorded in Scripture, risen from the dead. I want every eye to look this way. No matter what God is doing in your heart, it's bigger than you know. Learn the lesson of the present moment and trust him. And if you're here today and have never received him by faith personally, it's a personal decision, I can't make it for you. If you've never come to him personally, reach out today touching the hem of his garment by faith. He will save you, he will change you, and he will deliver you. Father, I pray you'll take the words today. Help us, Lord, to understand that the interruptions in our lives are there for a reason. And, God, the great lesson of this interruption was a woman who exercised faith and was made completely whole, who was accepted by Jesus. Father, if someone has come this way and doesn't know Christ, I pray this would be the day that they would trust him. Father, they would put their faith in him, that they would reach out and touch the hem of his garment, believing he died for them and rose again. And Lord, for those of us who are going through a time of interruption right now in our lives, help us, Lord, to recognize there's a bigger purpose than we know. And help us, Lord, though we may wonder, and that's okay, help us, Lord, to trust and to believe. Encourage our hearts with thy word, we pray in Jesus' name. Stand with me, please, everyone, standing together. We're going to sing an invitation him we do a folks visiting today